I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hello and welcome back to That Final Scene, the podcast where we dive into the most iconic final scenes in movie history. I am Sophie and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Ben and Simon. Hello, hello. Hello. I've returned. Ben, we miss you. Yeah, How are like you? Retur- Return of the Jedi. How are you feeling? Good, much better. I didn't have COVID, just to, just to confirm to, okay. my, to my friend Dara who was quite worried. <laughs> Did we actually say he had COVID? I thought you just said he's unwell. I don't, I, I, said, I don't think Mysterious. I said you have... No, I definitely didn't say you have COVID. <laughs> I, I don't spread lies. <laughs> Misinformation. Well, you would say that. I would not. I would not. What? You're not enjoying the music? <laughs> it, I, I reckon Ben was just in bed watching some cheesy drama. No, he would I never... I be asked to come out. He would never miss the no. Irish uh, representation. That's true. Ang- I, mean, I was so annoyed. Uh, like the, it was the, the worst episode for you to miss. I know, yeah. exactly. Fuck all the other episodes. No. <laughs> <laughs> that episode in particular, I can't believe I missed that episode to talk about the movie that is just all things Irish. None of really us could bring what was required for the full analysis. Oh, you couldn't really break Irish down aspect. the final scene, could you? Oh, you know? could not. No. Oh, would you like to say anything about that film? Uh, brilliantly grim is how I would describe that film. Very disappointed that Colin didn't win the BAFTA, but yeah. everybody can't get out of Austin Butler, which is kind of annoying. Have we said what film it was? What do you mean? Have we said we're talking about Banshees of Inisherin? Oh yeah, I mean, assuming yeah. that for you, you listening episode, at, yeah. at home, we are talking about Banshees, which was our last final scene episode. But yeah, yeah it's a it's a bummer that we missed out on Ben, but. If he does win an Oscar, which our predictions kind of say that he's going to win, that it's going to win the best original screenplay, we're going to yes. need a new reaction from you. Yes, I'll react to that. Like, I'll be yeah. interested to see who wins best supporting actor as well. Because yeah. I like Barty Keown, but I don't think he'll win the Oscar. I think Key Huan. I think Key K, yeah, Key yeah. K Huan's going to win he's, it. Because he's, he's just won like the SAG and the Spirit Award. He's very much yeah. in. Yeah. And he deserves it. I, 100%. I rewatched Everything Everywhere all at once and... Oh, I think you? I cried even more than I watched oh. it the first time around. I was just like <laughs> sitting on my couch with my partner just bawling my eyes. I'd be like, this is so sad. It's so brilliant at the same time. Yeah. I just I just want that film to win everything. I think that film is... Is this a hot take? No, it's not. Because this is a personal thing. I think it's genuinely like one of the best films I've ever seen. Like yeah. easily. Like if not my favorite film of all time. 100% and it's a major step up from Coda from last year that won the best yeah. picture and a major step up from Doctor Strange 2 as well the <laughs> other mad multiverse movie of the year um, it's a major step up in- I just it, it, everything has to be taken in context I mean you know but speaking yeah. of Doctor Strange so we get Ant-Man out of the way I haven't bothered seeing it because I've heard it's shite did it, you see it I did see it it's shite I gave it a whole yes, one, star one star and a half yeah. <laughs> The half on sounds Letterboxd, generous. Yeah. I, like, the the most pleasurable film about this experience of me going to the cinema was my popcorn, which was really good. Mm. It was, like, really fresh. But other than that, it was such a disappointment of a film. And that's that's coming from me who actually enjoyed Ant-Man. Like, I actually like the character, and I, I do love Paul Rudd. Like, mm. I, I know I'm not, probably in the minority, but it was such a colossal waste of time as a film. I heard, yeah, I, yeah, I bet I heard all the same thing. I haven't bothered. I'm going to wait until it's on Disney Plus because I just don't want to pay for it. I heard yeah. Jonathan Majors was really wasted in it as well, which is a shame because he, he was great in, he, yeah. in Loki. 
He and tried. apparently he's really good in Creed 3 as well. I can't wait to see Creed 3. Have you mm. guys seen 1 and 2? No. I've seen 1. I haven't seen the second one because it did just look like a remake of, is it Rocky 3 or 4 when yeah. he goes to... Which it was because like Dolph Lundgren came back, didn't right. he? And like, yeah. I've heard great things. So if you're up for that, let's watch it together. Maybe yeah. we can go to the cinema together oh, yeah, because, yeah. yeah, I'm hearing great things. And that's Michael B. Jordan's di- directorial debut as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing great things. So uh, Ant-Man, don't watch it in the cinema. Like, no. don't waste how i don't know like 15 pounds 20 dollars oh, how yeah. I, like i and don't isn't know it like it's like two and a half hours like it's pretty it's pretty long isn't it yeah or, yeah, yeah. i i didn't find like i wouldn't say that i was um i don't know like i didn't feel very long but it mm. felt very poor the one thing i'll say is is i'm not surprised at all yeah like i never from the first trailers coming out to anything i read about it i was just like this just looks like it's gonna this looks like it's gonna be crap yeah you know what it's gonna be bad coming out of it i just felt a lot of um i i felt very disappointed at the fact that the entire film is basically on the back of a green screen Mm. because when you think of all the creative ways that peter jackson you know created the worlds of lord of the rings i mean Hello. Yeah, ben, giving it, giving it up to you, like, and even Kubrick and like Scott, like Ridley yeah. Scott, like all of the creative ways that you create the sci-fi world, and now we have resorted to green screen for everything. It's just so uninspiring. And then what really like disappoints me that people go online and the trash on the VFX people that probably get minimum wage. And the it's VFX like, people are doing an amazing. They're job. They're doing the best like, they can. The yeah. VFX people are getting minimum wage. Uh, they are. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. of the like, hours they're putting in. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. In terms of like, the, if you actually get the ratio of the amount of yeah. hours that, you know, they work for. And I have people in the industry that work for, like I have uh, a friend who worked on Matrix 4 and things like that. They're working 24 hours. Oh, yeah. Literally on the clock for very little money. So I'm just disappointed where it's like, just fucking just... Pay your own people. it like own <laughs> it like own the fact that your films are shit because they are at this point so i'm just yeah very but marvel mad. has just it marvel. has just become it's become it's for me it's become everything that people used to say like all the arguments that people used to give me of why they didn't like the marvel movies i now feel that way i feel yeah. like it is just repetitive it is the same thing over and over again like i didn't feel that way in that original set of fucking 20 how many plus movies it was now it just feels like that. Now it's just like we're flogging a dead horse here to just make money out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares that Quantum Mania has Ant Man in it? <laughs> like, who gives a shit? Like, well, I even don't even the, know what that means. Even the title. Nobody does. Quantum Mania. What does it mean? Quantum. Yeah. Quantum science is cool, but then they took that and they turned it into a, I don't know, B movie. Yeah. Quantum Turd Fest. Literally, yeah. yeah Ant Man Quantum Turd Fest would probably yeah. be a better title. So, on a positive note, have you guys seen anything remotely fun or good? Fun, I don't know. I saw The Whale. Ooh, yeah, you have thoughts. Which is... (laughs) So, so my thoughts on The Whale are... Is that Brendan Fraser's fantastic. He's brilliant. Like, it's a really good performance. And the... I can't remember the actress who plays his nurse. I can't remember her name. She's she's fantastic in it as well. Everything else about the film, I don't really, I didn't really enjoy. I, I appreciated that it's based off a play and so setting a whole film in one apartment is a really difficult thing to do. But I thought that, I, I thought the story was weak. I thought it 
really dramatize certain elements of it in like the music choices where like it has this really intense dramatic music and stuff like that it's very aronofsky yeah, yeah. and and for, for a subject matter that that should be kind of more sensitively dealt with yeah and it actually made it like if it, 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 what i would describe it as it felt like if you've ever seen wicked in the theater and it felt like there was certain the music choices in it at times felt like the Wicked Witch of the West had just walked onto screen like nah, 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 nah. and it was like, like nah, nah, all this kind of stuff. And yeah, I just I yeah, I mean it's and it's a desperately sad film. Like it's really sad, and I understand that's the point of the film. But yeah, I thought there is a like performance from Brendan Fraser, brilliant. But the the subject matter you could have dealt with it a lot better. I think. It has been reported by many people as fatphobic. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I didn't know. I didn't know if I'd feel that way going into it, but actually, the way it deals with it, I would say, yeah, probably it is actually a little bit, yeah, kind of shaming in it as well. And Sadie Sink, I know she's supposed to be like the moody teenager, and but like, come on, her character is awful. Yeah, like it's just and there's this. I don't know if you you haven't seen it, so have you? No. There's this like religious angle that runs through it that like. He's obsessed with religion. Yeah, it's it's totally needless. Like the whole, if if it's so front and center that it feels like the moral of the film is is that religion is bad. Like the whole movie doesn't matter about Brendan Fraser. It doesn't matter about his story, or his character, or his daughter, or his family. Just religion is bad. Religion is bad and makes feel, people feel bad. That feels like the moral of the film. It's like just fucking cut that shit. Cut that out of it. The problem is you cut it out. It's a sixty-minute film. Like it's not long enough. But yeah, it was just so. I felt. I felt so weird that it was like so fixated on religion. Like I really didn't expect it when I went in because I didn't know that much about the story. But yeah, I was just kind of, yeah, a little bit disappointed in it actually, mm-hmm. I have to say. Yeah. Sad times. Yeah, no, weird. And like, it, I mean, I've yeah, I've <laughs> balanced that out by watching everything everywhere <laughs> to, you know, make myself feel a little bit better. But you yeah. rewatched it? Yeah, I rewatched it, yeah. On the second watch, did you have the same opinion? Yes, and a more visceral reaction, I would say. I got more upset the second Everything time everywhere, by the way, not the whale. Yeah. 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 No, I had, yeah, I would say I had a more emotional reaction to it the second time around. I feel um, like I'd understand it more the second time around. It's funny because I watched it with Ellie and she was watching it the first time around and she was mm. like, I, I can see why you're getting upset, but I, 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 I like it. There's bits of it like you kind of do have to watch it on the second viewing to, to get a lot of it. Because even simple films, I'm the type of person that needs to see them a good number of times <laughs> to really understand what's happening. Yeah. Mm. And by the way, we do have an episode on everything everywhere. So if yeah, you're new around here, yeah, please go back to our catalog because we have a final scene yeah. episode for that. And yeah, uh, yeah. So, and then, yeah, just catching up on lots of television because <laughs> it feels the like a lot of TV talk. Yeah, Last of Us I'm up to date with. No, I'm not. I haven't watched the latest episode. I haven't Same. watched episode eight. Have you started watching it yet, Simon? No, I'm no. told I need to play the game before I watch it. No. Uh, just to get the most enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I, uh, and I'm waiting for it to come on Steam, but it's not on Steam. Oh, okay. So I think it, it go either ways. You could always watch the, f- um, maybe play the game afterwards. I think if you played the game afterwards, it'd be interesting because <clears throat> the game gives you more context and is like it's more kind of invest. You're more invested in it. But I think I think what they've done with the show is like been incredibly truthful to the game, which is weird because like game adaptations are normally shit. Like we're getting a Dungeons and Dragons movie at the end of the month. Let's not forget that. I saw the trailer. Oh my god! <laughs> it looks dreadful. With Chris Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine, straight off the back oh of. Oh uh, Don't worry, back darling. And we're not excited. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I think I think I would say you could watch it, and the fact that it's almost finished now means you can binge it. 
but I wouldn't binge it because that might not be good for your mental health because it's a harrowing program. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Sounds a bit like binging Euphoria. No, it's not nearly as problematic as Euphoria. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just depressing. It's not problematic. It's just depressing. Speaking of, let's talk about it because there are a lot of things happening with mm. its creator. And I know, Ben, you have thoughts. I know, Simon, you probably caught up on all episodes by now. Mm, I'm what Ben would would call a completionist. You are. Oh, yeah. you are, 100%. So Is there an Elven Quest uh, type title for uh, Euphoria? I don't know. Drug addict? It's sort of um, filthy teen... Vibe chaser? Maximalist Megatron. I don't know. Season I'm going to call you Maximalist Megatron from now on then. For you. Um, I, I really enjoyed... The whole thing. Okay. My favorite episode was the individual special that focused on one of the characters called Jules, who's the trans woman. Um, and it's and it was written by Hunter herself or co-written. Okay. So it felt like a really authentic piece of writing. But yes, season two, I've read a lot of stuff of people saying like it goes a bit chaotic and it loses its path and it doesn't have... Mm the same sort of narrative depth as the first season, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is darker. It, there are more erect cocks and drug wow. taking and like th- lots of stuff that you don't normally see on TV, but I think mm. it's good. It's like evening up the score a bit. Are you, uh, I mean, because it does sound like a very difficult watch. Are you actually priming yourself before jumping into a euphoria episode? Or are you ready to just watch, to watch it whenever? I don't, I don't. I personally don't find it like super extreme to watch. Okay. Because um, I, the way I framed it in my head is like it's it's viewed through the prism of teenagers, so everything's like extra bright and effervescent and full of drama. So that I th- that's how Sam can explain it away. I think because if you're if you're telling a story through the eyes of that age group, everything is like a bit more crazy than it really is, mm-hmm. and that's what the show is about. I think. Mm. And it's then... about that world. You watched a snippet of The Idol. Oh, I watched the clip of The Idol and it's so bad. So what? So The Idol is a new show written Idol. by Sam Levinson, the writer of Euphoria. It's a show as well. Yeah, and produced by, is The weekend. I think the producer's on it, on a producer on it. And it's, it's Lily Rose Depp, who's Johnny Depp's daughter, mm. playing a musician who ends up getting involved with this like musical musician slash kind of basically cult leader who's The weekend, And I mean... It's this weird one where it's kind of stuck in this weird place where it's apparent. It seems like it's finished and they've released trailers for it, but there's no release date. And like he, HBO keep kind of being really vague about it because it sounds like they just don't want to release it now because it just sounds awful. Like it sounds like it. Like I really just could- think, just wait for the poor thing to be released. Like you're just you're no, just basing all this emotion I, on like just some random stories. Like just wait no, but till this you is, get no, to watch it. No, but this is people who've watched it. Like this is this is people at HBO who've watched it and have gone, hang on, we can't like. And also, so aside from all this drama about what it's supposedly about and how it like really glamorizes like sexual violence and like rape and stuff like that, the acting in the scene that they put that the weekend the weekend posted this in response. Now the weekend posted this in response yeah. to Rolling Stone yeah. is dreadful. Like it's so bad. The best tweet I saw about it was. This whole scene is Lily Rose Depp and The Weeknd trying to out bad act one another. Like it's oh so dreadfully bad. Like Dan they're Levy, both, they're both quite amateur. I mean, they're amateur actors, pretty much. I mean, I've, I've, I know. Yeah, she's kind of at the start of her career. I haven't seen The Weeknd in anything before other than his own music videos. Is this a leak or is it an officially? No, released no, no, clip? no, no. So Rolling Stone wrote this article about 
why it's being pushed back what like and like what's going on with it and all the like all the controversy that's come out from like people on the crew who've worked on it and like loads of people left the production because they said we it, we started it as this being like empowering thing and it became did something Sam else come like, into an it later it was in like an expose basically like what Rolling Stone wrote yeah. like uh, and 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 then the clip was posted by the weekend because in the clip it's them talking Dan Levy who's like an agent who's saying oh Lily Rose Depp's character needs to get like a, an interview in Rolling Stone and it's basically them having a conversation back and forth about why that would be like that's good for Rolling Stone and bad for her for social media but the acting in it's so dread like Dan Levy's trying his best <laughs> like re- you really feel bad for him being stuck there bless him because it feels like he's he's been plonked in the middle of a, like an amateur production and this was the weekend's response to Rolling Stone's article being like basically did like fuck you. you yeah did we upset you Rolling Stone and it's kind of like listen the con- what you're saying doesn't matter how you're saying it and the acting in it is so bad that yeah I'd be a little bit upset if you forced me to watch this TV show because it seems dreadful so Rolling Stone came back to us about a cover and I think it's worth pursuing Rolling Stone are they a little irrelevant it's a cover it's a heritage brand I think it's fail safe yeah I don't know I feel like it might be kind of past its prime you know what I mean yeah, nobody cares about Rolling Stone um, well I know a few writers over there that I think would handle whatever we want to do with them in a really careful way which i think is important at this point rolling stone has six million followers on instagram mm-hmm. half of them probably bots well i don't know about that. and jocelyn has 78 million followers <laughs> i am aware of her follower count all real yeah. i'd assume mm. so is this a case of a production going south and then a new director coming on board and no to like i don't think so up. no 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 i don't think so from what it sounds like is that sam levinson sam levinson came in and basically scrapped everything so like they'd already done so didn't they bring on. sam in because it wasn't going well so he's had to come into a thing that's halfway through and like rewrite it and start again yeah and yeah. He's, he's rewritten it and it somehow has made it worse is what is supposed to have happened um, yeah. but i guess yeah we, we just we we won't know until they release it if they release it let's let's be fair this is this is like warner and all who can that batgirl movie after it was completely made and ready to go and they're just like nah fuck it we're not gonna release it yeah like they could easily do that very easily and and usually i am more on the side of you as long as you're telling good good story can get away with good things but the article reported a lot of problematic yeah like you know off camera behavior and how people mm. were treated off camera behind the scenes and what the actors especially lily rose were putting through throughout the filming mm. i mean see, see how to suppose it like the, i mean yeah uh, so we're, like we're derailing but this the, is a scene with about the egg in the vagina that she has yeah. to kind of walk and if it breaks he has to do something super weird yeah like, so it's like, just the, like Kubrick the, games. The, the first line of the article is 13 sources tell Rowling Stone that the idol Sam Levinson's new show at the weekend and Lily Rose Depp has gone wildly disgustingly off the rails this Lily Rose Depp's a glamorous trouble pop star the weekend is a slimy modern cult leader um yeah call me cynical so, but this sounds like dream marketing for Warner potentially We'll see. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, they not, want everyone to get swept up in it. And then they'll be like, well, yeah. we wanna, I want to watch this film to see just how offended I'm going to yeah, be by it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it, it's going to do great. I, it wasn't my kind of show anyway, and I'm not really a huge Weekend fan, so I don't think I'm going to be watching this one. I don't think one, I would have watched but it anyway. Yeah. I don't think I would watch it without the Rolling Stone article. Like, it's just not What's my it kind about? of... What's it supposed to be about? 
just this like cult leader kind of thing and a young musician a young female musician like trying to make it in the industry I think yeah, yeah. generally and they drive with vinyl as well to do like a music yeah, industry sort of uh, yeah and that didn't go that was cancelled as well I think that was mm. the yeah the way of doing it this again yeah. but anyway what's this it's a movie no no I liked it no can I say something no I don't get it what don't you get about it so for today's episode we asked you all a question that Ben actually you came up with this one which director has dropped the most in quality mm. over the years do you want to talk through how the question came about like if, yeah I mean was I, your inspo? I, th- I think M. Night Shyamalan who seems like a lovely man having seen him in interviews and we're doing the sixth sense and we're doing today. the sixth sense today has has like from a director who started off so well with the sixth sense which I'll come on to when we talk about it at the end and actually like on second or third viewing I don't know how much it holds up but it's known as this like like the sixth sense everybody goes to is like the twist ending that like you know beats all kind of twist endings Iconic. and has had such a drop off to stuff like the the one that I used which Sophie you hadn't watched was The Happening which has to be one of the worst films ever made like it is dreadful the whole premise of the movie is that there's something in the trees and in grass or something like that that basically switches off the self-preservation bit in your brain and makes people kill themselves. It's awful. And it's Mark Wahlberg as the lead. And he is so unconvincing as like, he's like a geography teacher in it or something, or like a biology teacher. And it's just awful. It's so bad. And he's, Shyamalan's just had such a kind of tail off. There's a couple of, you know, ones that stand, like Split, I didn't mind, but Glass was terrible. And Unbreakable is really good. But then you've got like the village. Is it the village? Yeah. The village was good up until the the plot twist. Until the end, yeah. Yeah. He kind of tried to like outdo all of his plot twists with more like mm. b- bigger and better plot twists, yeah. you know. Um, I'm hearing yeah. the visit is quite good, but I don't know. I haven't seen it. The visit to me just looked like Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it. Because the whole trailer is like these people have to make a decision or the world ends. Right. Sounds very close to Cabin in the Woods where all these people have to die or the world ends. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, hang on, there's nothing original in this. Yeah. So what was interesting for for me reading through everyone's responses is that, like the biggest takeaway for me is that there isn't one director that is universally considered to have lost the plot. Mm. See what I did there? Uh, because while I did expect like M. Night to be the, like, the most popular in the comments, I actually saw like a lot of names that I didn't expect. So in there you have Aronofsky, Cameron Crowe, Damien Chazelle, Oliver Stone, even Christopher Nolan a couple of times. Yeah, who said and, Christopher Nolan? Uh, I saw that. We're, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. So basically, like, we have a lot of different opinions, and I picked a few. I will go from the mildest take to the hottest, the spiciest one. <laughs> so bear with me, we can discuss. So Andre says, Damien Chazelle is my joke answer. Tim Burton is my honest take. Love him or hate him, he's truly a unique visionary when it comes to film, and I'm sure that everyone has at least one Burton film that they just love. Unfortunately, it seems like he got a little bit of Stephen King in the last couple of years. Mm. Fair. And will just make everything just about anything that comes up in his mind. 
I wouldn't say his films are necessarily bad, but they're definitely not as enjoyable as they used to be and often seem like uninspired versions of something that could have been truly great. I would say his first really terrible movie after a slew of classics was the 2001 Planet of the Apes, and he's been shaky at best ever since. Another another Mark Wahlberg classic there. Exactly. I I, I didn't find the film terrible, but I, I agree. Like, it was just okay at best as a film, like Planet of the Apes, like Burton's version. But mm. I think this is a pretty, like, universal take that Burton has lost his way. <laughs> Since yeah. since the 90s, most likely. But then again, as someone who likes Sweeney Todd, what would you say to that? Oh, I think that's that's still okay. That's like I'm talking about like the last five films, like Dark Shadows and what was the other one? Like the, with, Alice, the Alice in Wonderland films. Alice in Wonderland. There's another one with uh, Eva Green that was pretty bad, like for, like fairly recent, uh, Miss Pellegrine or something like yeah, that. Yeah. That was just, yeah, like Andres that says um, uninspiring. I think that's the right word. Okay, another message came from Andrew. He DM'd me, so I will read this one out loud. He beat Cameron Crowe. So, Say Anything, Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous, three highly quotable and memorable films. Mm. Then, from Vanilla Sky onwards, <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah. I could not tell you a single thing about Elizabeth Town or We Bought a Zoo. I think the only thing people remember about Aloha is Emma Stone being cast Chinese Hawaiian. <laughs> so true I love the questions the podcast comes up with makes me want to rewatch films and get more engaged in them again thank you guys so thank you Andrew you're welcome it's true he he had you know Jerry Maguire almost famous say anything great films and Mm. then he resorts to literally resorts to Aloha we made a zoo yeah we we bought a zoo zoo. very unforgettable Uh, did he maybe need the cash yeah, maybe. that's the thing. I mean, that's the context <laughs> that we don't know. Or to me, these sound like almost kids' film, like you know, more family friendly film. Maybe he had kids, things like "fuck it, I'm gonna well, do we bought a zoo now" and the, Elizabeth Town. <laughs> yeah, on the cash point, that's why James Cameron's. In it. Someone said James Cameron, and that's right. an interesting one because James Cameron yeah. doesn't need the cash. He doesn't, and yet continues to make Avatar movies. No, I think why? James Cameron. Why? Is, what does he say in interviews? James he's Cam- full of himself. Yeah, he just hate he just hates everybody, doesn't he? He's like, go and see my fucking movies. Go and see it in the cinema. If you don't go see it in the cinema, you're not seeing my movie properly. Yeah. He's uh yeah, but it's annoying because he made Aliens and Terminator, and you're like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and True Lies was a really good film. Yeah, as well. yeah. And then yeah, downhill from there. Ben, the this part of it is for you. Yeah. <laughs> I need to start out or. Our listener, Victoria, her hot takes are great for this question. So the first one, I mean, we kind of agree. I'm just going to sit back in my chair here to prep myself or whatever. For the, I think you need to prep for the second one. The first one I think we can agree on. Ridley Scott made three great films. I think we all know what we're talking about. But everything after Gladiator was just mediocre or bad. Bonus hot take for Gladiator. If it weren't for the fantastic score, the movie wouldn't be that great. I uh, disagree with that. Joaquin Phoenix is fantastic in that film. Okay. Now, I, ag- I agree that Russell Crowe shouldn't have won an Oscar for it. But the Joaquin film Phoenix itself, what do you Oscar. think? You like the film itself? I don't like, mind the film yeah, itself. Yeah, 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 I don't I don't mind Gladiator yeah. as a film. It's a the bit, score it's a bit does, long. The, the score does take it to the next level. Yeah, and some of the CGI like has a- not aged well, like some of the CGI of Rome and the Colosseum, yeah. but that's just the nature of CGI. Yeah. But I would disagree in saying that everything but the score are like... It's Oliver Reed's last film as well. Right. Let's not forget that. Wasn't he CGI'd into it? Oliver, no, he died during the production. Yeah. I think. And I he think had he to be re- recreated, didn't wow. he? 
there's lots of shots where he's been done afterwards. Well, I know they. I think I think he was supposed to have a bigger role in the film as well, and then he's not in. He kind of leaves like halfway through. I think we can agree though that Scott has also lost his yeah, way. Yeah, has a booty Prometheus. Speaking of Scott, I watched um, his brother's film Enemy of the State the other night. Oh, good film! And I really liked it. Yeah, good. Film. It's like my it's an, it's two thousands. It's not. It's like it's in my nineties hacker mm. film character. It's category. like kind of early. It's like oh, it's like two thousand to two thousand five kind of. Yeah, isn't it? Enemy of the State. It's where there's like some CCTV footage and they all gather around the screen and they go, enhance, zoom, <laughs> rotate. <laughs> and then the, the computer software can miraculously like recreate yeah, this guy's clean, carrier bag. Can and clean like, up the in- image yeah. from someone looking like they're made out of, pi- like made out of a wooden <laughs> yeah. pixel. Like, My God. Is that and then, Gene Hackman in that yeah, one? It's yeah, got, that film is full of rant. It's like Jack Black's in it. There's all these amazing wow. like character acting in it. Of course. It. It's very good. So the second hot take from Victoria. This, this, this is the bit where I need that, to prep yeah, myself. These are her words. DJ Khaled voice. Another one. <laughs> I was never a fan of the Russo brothers, but I think they did all right with their take on the MCU. But cap it, caps. What the actual fuck was the gray man? I really love yeah. seeing Ryan Gosling on the screen, but this was the worst movie I've seen all year. Awful. Caps again. I agree with that. Yeah. Ben, Hands personally, down. I didn't like Endgame and Infinity War. Another hot take, I guess. Oh. LOL. So I'd argue they stopped making good movies after Civil War. Salute emoji. <laughs> I disagree with that entirely. I just, I, well, I agree with the Grey Man thing. Grey Man's yeah. dreadful. Like, it's, it's, it's so bad. It is just paint by numbers. It's a paint by numbers film. It's an it's AI crap. film. It's an AI yeah, film. Yeah, it, it, it's probably been written by Chat G. If, if it turns out the first thing Chat GPT ever did was write the Grey Man, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, I disagree that with the Endgame and um, Infinity, Infinity War. War. That's just ridiculous. I did, I did love Because again, you have to watch, the, think, take those films in context of all the other films that came before. Yeah. I still remember the bit in the cinema where they all appear at the end and genuinely just being like, oh my God, this is 15 years of my life all coming together at one time and I think I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting with two friends who I used to work with being like, don't cry, don't cry in the cinema, don't cry in the cinema, this is amazing, don't cry in the cinema. <laughs> Cute. It's so good. But just to remind everyone, this is a safe space. I'm going to end with Nick's comment. I'm going to get burned at the stake for okay. this, but Nolan, in my opinion, has been on the decline. The Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and the monstrosity that is Tenet, it's a no thank some, you. Some people would say it's been a downward spiral since The Prestige. There you go. I might not say that, but it could be true. He goes on to say, now if you look at his early films, I'm sure we can all agree they are marvelous. Our man picked at The Dark Knight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would I would. It's hard with Nolan because I don't... He did peak at The Dark Knight. I think he peaked at The Dark Knight, but I don't necessarily... Th- I don't think Interstellar's a bad film. It's a great I think film. we talked about this recently on a podcast a little while ago. I was saying I, re- I re-watched it a couple of months ago. I also ago. can't be- Is it after The Dark Knight? It's... Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah, oh, I think okay. it was like Inception. Yeah, yeah of course. 2014, yeah. Inception, yeah. Dark Knight Rises, then Interstellar. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, it's hard. Tenet is kind of unbearable. Like I've tried watching Tenet again and it's hard it's work. It's not good. And Dunkirk as well. Like I feel like I'd appre- would have appreciated Dunkirk if I saw it in the cinema maybe for the sound, but yeah. the film itself is, is a little bit, it's just, it's fairly weak, but yeah, I think it's unfair. And I think we can't judge him until Oppenheimer comes out. Sure. You know, that will, that will be very telling. I'm this, excited for this that. This summer. Awesome. I'm still scared for him. 
Yeah, I mean, it could be make or break. Yeah, it could be make or break, especially if like all this stuff about right. I mean, detonating humani- a nuclear bomb for a film, yeah. all this kind of shit that he's coming out with. He managed to get RDJ like Robert Downey Jr. out of his cave, so I think we'll, yeah, yeah, he's gonna be alright. I think it, I yeah I yeah I hope so. I hope so. I really do because I think I also think he did himself no favors releasing Tenet during COVID and then being like Tenet's gonna be the thing that saves cinema, and then an actual fact. Because nobody went to see it. Cinema yeah. bosses were like, oh shit, we need to start releasing stuff on streaming platforms. And that actual fact it was some turgid superhero film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it prob- well, yeah, it probably was. Like, I'm trying to think what the first thing kind of out of lockdown I saw in the cinema was. And it might have been maybe like Shang-Chi or something like that. One of the Marvel movies. But yeah, it's hard to know. Who can really save cinema? Does cinema need saving? You know? Never. No. It's alive and geeky. That's why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think, so? Who who would of directors you like? Who would you say is Darren Aronofsky is a really good shout because mm. like Pi and Requiem for a Dream and stuff. He did Pi, didn't he? Life of the Life of Pi. No Pi. Oh, pi, the just film Pi. Yeah, yeah. yeah, American Pi. Did, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, that was one of his ones that he did in a different alias. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jim's dad was his whole idea. No, um, just yeah, I think he's probably. In, well, in terms of films that I like watching, I don't, I'm not really interested yeah. in what he's done recently. He did Black Swan, didn't he? That was all right. Yes, he did Black that Swan. That was and great. Mother. I think Black Swan was his pick, actually. But yeah. then Mother mm. was awful. The Whale I didn't hate, but I mean, I, I, I totally get yeah Ben's yeah. point of view. Like, it was very difficult Probably, to watch. you're right. Earlier on, James Cameron, really good idea. Like, Terminator. Mm. Incredible. Yeah, and Aliens as well. Mm. Like, Aliens is a great one because you, like arguably better than alien as well yeah you know it's and then really titanic hard. and then down to titanic and then yeah. avatar, avatar. And then that, didn't he do an underwater movie mm. didn't he do something like that where everybody said it was dreadful to work on because mm. <laughs> he'd like force them all i know the new avatar one they had to do all the diving for it but i think there was another one where he like forced them all to do all the scenes underwater and everybody was just like this is fucking dreadful Good God. <laughs> why would i want to work on this speaking of paying your vfx people more jesus <laughs> my my take would be robert zemeckis that a couple of people called out because he's done he went from uh castaway mm. and contact and forrest gump and flight and back to the future one two three to allied and pinocchio which like it's just like i you have to question what are you doing mm. like someone said someone said guillermo del toro in it as well which i don't I, really see i think he's had a yeah. i haven't seen I think pinocchio with pan's yet. labyrinth as the thing like it's very hard to top your all-time best maybe like pan's labyrinth yeah. was so good yeah and i know i i, I haven't i haven't seen many of the things he's done recently but i did like nightmare Al- nightmare alley yeah i heard yeah i, I heard nightmare alley was quite good yeah. like i heard a lot of good stuff yeah. about it and pinocchio is supposedly really good like it yeah. won the bafta for best animated film didn't it yeah and, it's supposed to be very good yeah and he made the point that you know it's an animation's not just for kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that which is fair enough mm-hmm. i only say this because i've met guillermo del toro and he was very nice <laughs> <laughs> Aww, <laughs> so i will stick by him and hellboy was great i thought hellboy was fantastic and i think he's a he's a he's a bit like um uh tim burton in that way like i think he's a director that has a has a has an amazing kind of eye for like design and all the creatures and stuff that like if you watch any interviews with him or behind the scenes stuff or like a lot of his movies with monsters and stuff he sketches them himself mm. and I think that's something that it's not just a VFX team doing that like you know how much of Avatar did James Cameron design and draw yeah. how, and how much of it is just like his you know 
VFX team and art designers doing it. Guillermo del Toro like designs a lot of his monsters. Monsters. I think there's something pretty cool to be said for that. He's a visionary for sure. Yeah, very much. Awesome. So these were brilliant. Thank you all so much for sharing. If you want to respond to any of the hot takes, you know where to find us. Send us a voice memo and we may just play it on our podcast. Let's take a quick break yeah. and we'll be back with The Sixth Sense. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Nah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. And we're back for the ending of The Sixth Sense. Are you guys ready for me to recap the blog? Yeah. Even to, to spoil it, the ending. To be to be honest, if you haven't seen the film by now, what the fuck are you even doing? Yeah, like, just true. you know, pause, go back, watch the film, and then come back for us because we have. I think if you, I think I think the Sixth Sense is one of those movies that if people, even if people haven't seen it, they know the twist. Everyone knows oh my God. what happens at the end. It's such a common like quoted thing in films i was having this conversation with someone where they said the plot twist was quoted in a film that i was watching yeah. it's like so popular where it's like you just you have to know what the yeah. six and then sense well the, and the most quotable line is i see dead people isn't it and that oh, comes yeah. up all the time yeah. in like yeah. popular culture good old Haley joel yeah. i want to tell you my secret now dreams while you're awake yeah but is it a horror film okay so let me go through the plot because i am to be called it a psychological thriller and i want to question that because i don't see it as a psychological thriller i see it as a drama movie and fight me on that because that film made I me cry. I said it was a rom com, dude. Yeah. That film made me cry. Young so boy many... falls in love with the ghosts. He sees. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the IMDb says like, the Sixth Sense is a 1999 psychological thriller directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It tells the story of a young boy named Cole who can see and communicate with ghosts. Cole is held by a child psychologist named Malcolm, but as the story unfolds, spoiler alert we learned that Malcolm was, has been dead the whole time. And obviously the film's twi- twist ending is one of the most iconic and talked about endings in film history. And it's interesting because obviously we did watch the film again for the sake of this episode and it did change my perspective on the film. Yeah. On it's, repeat viewing. It's, well, I, I felt on, on the second viewing, it's so obvious. Like knowing that, you, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. When yeah, you know, you're right. you know, you're just you're like, right. it's so fucking obvious of the course. whole time. There's so much foreshadowing. And okay, I might get, I might get in trouble here. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't I you know. dare say you didn't like it. <laughs> I know. No, not that I didn't like it. I thought, I thought Haley Joel. I think Haley Joel. I wish Brendan Gleeson was in it. <laughs> if if Colin Farrell had played the leads, I could. No, um, I thought I think Haley Joel Osment's great now. I think Tony Collette is brilliant in it. Like, she's really good. But some of... And I know it's not cool to not like Bruce Willis right now because of everything that's going on with his personal life. But some of his scenes in that film where all he's doing is looking down and talking like this <laughs> is so bad. It's so dreadful. Oh, you didn't like his acting? No, I thought it was really, really bad. The, the Like... 
the most believable thing he says in the entire movie is when he's downstairs in the basement and he sees the guy banging and like ringing on the doorbell to talk to the wife. And then he goes away and he says, yeah, he says something along the lines of, yeah, keep run, run along dickweed or something like that. Mm. And it was the most believable thing ever because it's like, OK, well, there's John McClane again. OK, we get your action hero moment was mm. saying move along dickweed. But yeah, some of the some of the dialogue in that film is like painful. It's I think it's eerie. Painful. It's a bit eerie, isn't it? I, yeah, I got the sense that he's supposed to be disjointed, like almost lost. And he's feeling no, I get that. Yeah, I, no, right. I get that. I, I, I got that bit. Yeah. I just didn't think he was. Right. <laughs> I didn't okay. think he portrayed it very well. Okay, and there's okay. just some scenes in it where it felt like, and again, like, you know, Days of Our Lives, the soap from, from Friends, some bits in it felt like a, like a soap opera. Like, you know, the bit, the, like the bit where M. Night Shyamalan plays the doctor and is talking to Tony Collette and it feels like something straight out of daytime television. I don't, uh, okay. I don't know if now, I agree. Okay, okay, come at me. Come at me now. You can come at me now. I've said my piece. No, no, no. Like, I, I see it at the same time. I feel like it's a film that we watched a thousand times to the point where we probably have stronger opinions. I've not, though. I think I've, I've I, probably only seen the film three. I think that was like the third yeah. time I've watched it. I do think M. Night shouldn't be a professional actor by any means like he because i know he he's 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 always like in his film doing this sort of like quick cameo but let's be honest that's that's what stan lee used to do in, his, in mcu films and yeah. he was also very bad but it's like but you don't actually pay attention to that sort of i, I wouldn't judge a film by the cameo that m night um i don't know it's a, it's a scene in which he's talking to tony Clett about whether she beats her son it's a fairly serious scene <laughs> yeah i don't know i didn't mind that i actually I, I don't know i was very moved by the film and i mean we're gonna get to the ending but i thought it's a kind of film that holds up even without the plot twist in my opinion like the the struggles of the kid and what he's going through and his relationship and his emotional intelligence that he has to work with in order to facilitate his mom and her struggles and to protect her from what he's going through and then his relationship with, you know, uh, Malcolm, Bruce, Bruce um, Willis' character and talk about trauma in the 90s. It's just a lot going on that I'm like, I give a lot of credit to M. Night for that. Just... But, but, then, but then does it need Bruce Willis' character at all? Because I would argue that the probably the best scene in the film or the strongest scene is when they're in the car towards the end and he talks about like your mom seeing you at your dance recital and like you know that she's pretty. yeah of course like, that's the strongest scene in the film and so surely you could argue though that that wouldn't have never happened if it weren't for malcolm's help because yeah no, of course. Ul- yeah ultimately the argument is that malcolm gives the kid the strength to yeah to yeah to say yeah to confess mm. the truth to his mom and you could also argue going back to the final scene that the reason that Malcolm can let go and the reason that Malcolm can find closure is because he managed to help Cole in ways that he couldn't help Vincent so Mm. that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for that relationship between them so I do think Bruce Willis's character is pretty critical to the film I wouldn't say he's I think useless. So, yeah, no, I no, I, yeah, maybe useless is the wrong word. I think he's. I think maybe there's more of it, the more interesting story is the relationship with his mum, though. 
Yeah, of course. I think the, ve- like I, the vessel is there for, especially the fact that it is, it's very much like they, the, the realization that the reason to, the, the way you get the ghosts to go away and the reason the ghosts are there is because they can't go for something. So it's the, mm-hmm. like the girl who was like poisoned by her. Dude, mother. that's my favorite scene that's in the whole film. Where, where he plays so the creepy. tape for the dad. Yeah. That's such Misha a good, that's the scene that, yeah, it's Misha Barton being sick, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's the scene that, um, when I watched this film when I was a kid, stuck stuck with me the most the vhs it's so intense and then yeah. and then the dad watches it at the funeral mm. and then he looks over at the wife who's been doing the poisoning yeah. and then you never know what happens after that but yeah i think but, and yeah obviously that's the vessel to getting like they 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 meet at that point towards mm-hmm. the end where he needs to work out that he can do that and you know that you know that like, oh, you know the way the it, box you know? is given to what's the boy called um the box containing the the cassette tape is given to him by the ghost. Yeah. Does the ghost pick up the box? Never. No. no. So, so that's it. I mean, I can't remember that's how what, that happens. That's what Ben talks about because when you know the twist, you mm. can pick up those things pretty quickly because one of the giveaways is that Malcolm and all of the ghosts, they never interact with physical objects. Mm. So, yeah. like, even like moving chair, like, you never see the moving chair. Like, the chair is already pulled, you know, and you can, they can just sit on things, for example. So, that's interesting. Yeah. He can't so, open the door. You never see him yeah. actually open the door. With the yeah. Like, yeah the the stra- ba- like, the basement door the is The strangest scene is where, for that, is where, um, what's the boy called again? The little boy. Cole. Cole comes home, and Malcolm and the mum and Tony Collette are sitting in sitting the chairs. one another. Like a kind of interview setting it's mm-hmm. really weird mm-hmm. and then the little boy cole comes in he looks way too young to be opening the front door on his own and like yeah, like course. he's walked home yeah. on his own and then they they look at, it's just really weird and that's the point where i guess you you twig on the second viewing like that's fucking weird that is yeah. yeah that is another giveaway to the ending where malcolm never interacts with anyone else but uh cole so you have that and then because I reckon that when you watch it on the, uh, you know, the very first time, you're thinking maybe they just had the conversation that is awkward editing, and now Malcolm is just waiting at the front door for Cole to join him and Tony. But the position of the chairs is odd. Yeah, like it's it's a a really strange. It's like it's been arranged for the benefit of the camera, like it's a a chat show or something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the daytime TV reference point. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting how I never saw them as like we like I never saw that as weird filmmaking. Just so like I, it's interesting what bias does in your head. And you're like, clearly we know that he's not a ghost. That he's the child psychologist. So, oh, maybe they just had a weird chat, and now mm. they're just feeling awkward. Well, that's the genius of, of M Night, isn't it? Yeah. He, it's the real in. He's managed to get this past us on our first on all of our first viewings. He's yeah. managed to get this past us, and that's. That's why the film's so clever yeah. and so loved. I, I I would love to have seen that movie in the cinema when it first came out, oh, like in ninety nine. Definitely, yeah. I'd say you know that yeah. that twist at the end. Like I'd imagine that's a yeah. People like <gasps> like a gasp in the cinema. Yeah. My other comment on it is like without before talking about the ending, it's just how understated it is throughout. Like it it it's very on a level, isn't it? It's very eerie, but there's no like big crescendos or jump scares particularly. It's just it just kind of grinds on, but it yeah. keeps your interest. And I think that's a real there's some, sign of the yeah. skill of the filmmaker. There's some like shocking moments in it. Like there's mm-hmm. the scene where like he looks up the stairs and there's like three people hanging from the roof. Or, oh yeah, where he gets locked in the closet. Which is quite, done uh, like, very well. I don't yeah. think it's done in a cheap way. I think it's mm. done, like I think you're just like he's just trying to get you to get into Cole's mind, like what mm. he's seeing, like worldview. And he earns disturbing. those moments. Yeah. yeah, I think so. They don't feel cheap. 
yeah, like conjuring, for example, these days, where like you're just like flickering lights and all that bullshit. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah, the sixth sense is not a ghost story. Like, which is why I go back to the argument that I do feel like it's a drama movie and it's using horror elements, like ghost story elements, to progress the plot. But ultimately, it has earned it. I think if you released it today, it would be yeah, you'd classify it as a drama. It wouldn't be like you know a movie probably fighting for space in the nineties. Yeah. You'd have to call it like a horror or give it that kind of yeah, like psychological Yeah, that's true. Yeah, angle. you have to sell it somehow. Yeah, you have yeah. to sell it. Yeah, exactly. And like horror kind of sells in a certain way rather than mm-hmm. just like a straight up drama. But mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, having said that though, a tagline of a boy who sees dead people is a pretty in- intriguing tagline. <laughs> that's you know? true. So what other giveaways did you guys notice in the film that gave away the ending? I don't see. Because the dinner date think, for me would be the big yeah, one. Yeah, the dinner date's the big one where he like... Where again, he has this. I just thought it's if, if if the acting in it feels quite melodramatic. Where like he goes to grab the check and she pulls it away, and it's just like, oh god, come on now! Like it could it could be better, but I think I don't think there's much that did give it away the first time round. I think the second time round, yeah, we, you notice it a lot. But try, I'm trying to think back at that first time watching it, and there there isn't really that much that as you say, so like it is a very like he does it quite subtly, which I think works very well. That you do. I think it's like, yeah, like the bits like that, where the way they're sitting, like they're kind of, in, maybe it is, like maybe it is just bad kind of direction that's for the camera, or maybe it's intentionally to be a little bit uncomfortable. No, it's definitely and, to be uncomfortable. That's that's yeah. definitely the intent behind it. Um, so you're just slight, everything's just slightly on edge all the time. Like I, I yeah. even think, going back to what you're saying about Bruce's acting, mm. like, I think that's the design of it. I think that was all designed into it. The fact that you, you, he's just mumbling and the music, the sound design and the music's all really just grindy and low level and just really relentless. Mm. It, there's no like big peaks and troughs. It just kind of like chunters mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I just find the whole thing just, it's, it's to kind of offset you. And so it's to trick you into not getting the twist. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's true. to throw you off the scent. That's true. The the one thing that I did read from uh, one of his interviews is that is the use of color red. So apparently every time the color red appears in the film, it is a sign that the ghost is present or is about to appear. So you red may... Door yeah, exactly. Or I think Tony Collette's um, character is wearing red in the funeral um, service with the ghost. I think his wife... Is his wife wearing red in the, in the restaurant exactly, scene as well? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, again, these are all like rules of... M night world which are just like very inside I get almost like in, inside language but I thought that was very interesting mm. and the only other piece that I wrote down in terms of like giveaways is that he meets with Cole in the creepiest of places like why the fuck is he in his bedroom <laughs> and they talk about yeah. like seeing like I thought that's very creepy when you think about out of context like why is his adult male child psychiatrist in his bedroom and they're having a therapy session there when he's yeah. about to fall asleep that's definitely a giveaway on <laughs> why does he, yeah why does he bring him to a little girl's funeral oh my god the <laughs> <laughs> fuck's that about yeah, yeah. yeah these you, are weird like, what lie they have what no lie they have does no... cole have to tell his mum right then yeah and they have no license to be there like within the no they just wander no. in yeah. No. walking around this little girl's wake mm. this is and then he's sitting on the swing with her sister at the end like oh what the God. fuck's going on but bruce willis that's actually, why it's but, cool but what's weirder that's why it's cool. is what's weirder is that when you think about it actually the two of them aren't there it's just a little boy wandering around the house <laughs> at no point did somebody go who's that little kid just yeah wandering? exactly who did that little boy yeah. no and then he comes up to like at the end he's like hey mister 
Yeah. Like, were you like Marsha's dad yeah, or whatever so it is? Funny. Like, you'd be like, who are you? I'm just a little kid that wandered in off the street who can see dead people. <laughs> Come on. So the okay, so the scene before the ending where Cole gives Malcolm advice about his marriage. Do you remember this scene? Like, it's actually very important for the final scene. So Cole kind of pulls a major flex and he gives Malcolm advice about his marriage. And he's like, I figured out how you can talk to your wife. Wait until she's asleep. So clearly, and I think we've been let in on that rule, I guess. But Cole knows that you can communicate with people in the living world if they're asleep. So you think, do you think Cole knows he's dead? Oh, yeah, the whole time. You think? I think so, yeah. Which is why he kind of, like, this scene takes place after the the scene in the car with yeah. his mom. So he knows he's, I don't want to say cured, but he, he's taken the very first step to, like, to, towards a healthier life because he's going to continue seeing ghosts, but he's now, like, free of the secret. And I think, in a way, he's trying to let Malcolm go because, one, I do think that he cares about him. He's like... I need to give this ghost closure by telling him how to find closure with his wife. And two, because, oh, now I can do without the therapy. So I'm ready to just uh, work on my relationship with mm. my mom. So that is my assumption. That's that a he... lot for someone Cole's age. No, 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 no. I, I mean that the scene that where he tells him, I figured out how you can talk yeah. to your wife. Just wait for her until she falls asleep. Yeah. That happens right after the car scene. Yeah, but Cole having to Cole having the pressure of being able to give all these ghosts closure is quite a lot. Oh yeah, which is why I think he only cared about Malcolm, like personally, because they had developed this sort of one to one relationship. Not that they, he cared about every single ghost. So yeah, he's basically saying to Cal, to Malcolm, you can move on now, and this is the key to how you can move on. And is that the scene where he says to Malcolm to not say goodbye? And yeah, yeah, it's very that's sweet. Quite sad. Yeah, he's like, yeah, can we can we pretend? Yeah, yeah, can we pretend that we're gonna see each other again or something that was, like that? For me, that was the saddest bit. It's very sad because it's supposed to be that like Malcolm's like, oh, we don't need to do any work anymore. Because like, Malcolm's the one walking yeah. away, isn't he? Yeah? I hate mm-hmm. the idea of not properly saying goodbye. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's very that's sad. Beca- yeah, because yeah. it's almost like you know that letting go is the right way to go, but it's still very hard. Mm. And it is quite a hard, like, it's a hard scene when he realizes mm. he's dead, like, especially, like, reenacting him being shot as well is quite, like, a, it's, it's quite, like, visceral, yeah. yeah. And then it fades to white. Yeah. <laughs> so, in we, the we, final... We didn't need a better metaphor than he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Just a white screen. Just like white, yeah, I mean, that's like a 90s that's, hardcore. That's, like, in your face, like, he's dead, guys. Yeah, he's dead, yeah. <laughs> he's been accepted into the pearly gates. He's, he's moving dead. to the, t- yeah, to the tunnel of light yeah and that's it so in the final sequence of the film malcolm returns to his home where he finds his wife asleep on the couch with a couple's wedding video in the background as he's sleeping malcolm's wedding ring falls off her finger which he suddenly discovers he has not been wearing uh, all along revealing the twist ending of the film that malcolm himself was actually killed by vincent uh, a previous patient in the very first scene of the film and he was annoyingly dead the entire time he was working with Cole. And it's at this point where we get that kind of like very 90s like flashback of like mm. all of his quote-unquote memories where mm. we get all of the giveaways. So it's the ultimate penny drop, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
Yeah, where she pulls the, you see her again pulling the checkbook away, and you're like, it's oh. such a night, like a ninety, maybe even eighties. I, I don't mind that. I, I, I me was neither. Happy with that. Me neither. Yeah. I loved it. And also, it made me think back to one of the cleverest bits of reinforcement that stop you guessing the twist on the first viewing is when you know you, you see him get shot early on in the movie, but there's points later on in the film where he's almost checking the wound. So you, oh, really? I didn't notice that. Isn't there a bit when he like that. lifts up his shirt and he's like, and you're like, oh, there must be a, you know, a gunshot wound there. And so, so you're like, okay, yeah, he's obviously like been, been, you know, he's had some surgery, you know, and he's alive again. So that, that was one of the things that struck me as one of the tricks that they use to kind of keep you. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's a good catch. He comes in, doesn't he come into the house a couple of times in the wedding videos on in the background? There's like one or two scenes as well where he comes in in the wedding video. At, le- at least his son didn't yeah. tape over the wedding video with Barney. Yeah, that is true. But they don't <laughs> have a son, so it's fine. It couldn't have happened. <laughs> Unless his wife now, she's like, well, might as well tape over it with some pornography. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> so in the very final scene of the film, recalling Cole's advice, Malcolm speaks to his sleeping wife and fulfills the second reason he returned, saying he was never second and that he loves her. That was very cute. Releasing her to move on, on to move on with her life, he's free to leave behind the world of the living. That is a very final. So, thing. so we're saying that Cole can give ghosts closure, but he could also influence the living by talking to them when they're asleep. I don't think he can give them directly closure. I think he knows that you can communicate with the living when they are asleep. So, ghost can Cole, not Cole. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. But can Cole therefore influence? real li- i suppose anyone can communicate with the living when they're mm. asleep yeah so that's not that's not that like weird. those yeah. self-help tapes that asmr context like you do not need to smoke <laughs> yeah or like subliminal, subliminal yeah. i'm trying to shortcut my a-level revision yeah. and leave some <laughs> history book on or actually you may be right like m9 maybe was like influenced by subliminal messaging mm. during sleep mm. but yeah that's what i mean like the idea of being able to change the course of He's not changing the course of history. He's changing the course of the future by whispering stuff mm. at night. <laughs> yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of films that hinge on that idea, isn't there? Yeah, like, no, that's... Changing the future. Changing the part. Well, yeah, uh, time traveling through, like, when people are asleep. Yeah. That's true. But, you know, like, it's interesting how Malcolm is actually one of the... <sighs> kinder, like, friendlier ghosts. Because most of them are pretty fucking scary. In the film. Yeah. Well, only because they've got injuries and stuff. You don't like the ones That's that true. are scary aren't necessarily evil. They just been they just look scary because they've been hurt. Yeah, there's yeah. some like shining esque jumps in it where you like you, mm. it's just like oh an unexpected hanging. Yeah. Like there's that lady where she turns and she looks normal from one angle and mm-hmm. then there's a kind of terminator side mm. of face. Yeah. Like the woman in the bath and the shining almost. Yeah. yeah. Or in the window in the car scene as well, and that was pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Yeah, yeah so. where she's just looking over his shoulder. It's like <gasps> Yeah. Yeah. So how did you find the film, the, the ending? Did you find it satisfying? Like the very final scene? Yeah, I think it is a really satisfying ending. Yeah, I think, I mean, listen, whatever I have to say about some of the acting in it, I think it it's one of the biggest twists in cinema history. Mm-hmm. And I think it ties the film together really nicely. And it is a weirdly happy ending in quite a, like a sad film. Like, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. As I said, like I like for me, the pinnacle of it is the scene with Tony Collette in the car. Like that's, mm. that's fantastic. Yeah, and that then, the VHS cassette reveal mm. scene. 
and then the yeah the car yeah going back over all the times that he knows that mm. that he couldn't have known had he not been a, mm. able to talk to ghosts. So that was my argument for uh, you know from earlier. The film could have ended with that scene and would have still been great. Like yeah. I I actually thought the twist in the end was just a welcome add-on, but it didn't make the film. Agreed. Like, it was just like yeah. it, it was it was a great like even like. Cole's turmoil and his relationship with his mom is good enough. It holds up on its own as a great film. And it could have still been the case where Malcolm is just, is his actual psychologist and had a great relationship. Like the ghost twist is great, yeah. but it's I not necessary. I wonder, do you need that in that order? Could that scene come afterwards even? Could you rearrange mm. it that the, you know, his death is, yeah. comes first? Maybe he thought the film needed to land a bit more because it's like you're sort of reeling is, after that scene. You're like, yeah. give me yeah, a, and we're a talking, bit more. And yeah. we're talking 90s, right? Where it's like, it's a decade of plot. Yeah, twists. like the credits were like, you can just imagine like the credits roll on that and everybody's like, what the fuck? Jeez. <laughs> you know, and you get that kind of shock factor. Well, because it would have just faded out when Tony Collette was just crying. No, no, no. What I'm realizing. saying, no, the way it did end. Yeah, but I mean, if it, if it did end there, it would literally be the mum realizing and then that'd be it. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I think we solved the ending again. I, ho- yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I hope people don't come at me for kind of shitting on Bruce Willis's acting. Oh, no, we'll that's see. fine. You're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, that said, we, I do want to watch Die Hard again because it's been a minute. So. Yeah. My my shocking revelation of tonight is you saying that True Lies is a really good film. It is a good film. <laughs> no, but I've never seen it. So now I'm oh, it. Oh, yeah. it is a good film. It's one, it's the, I think it's the only one I haven't seen. I thought you were going to say something about Die Hard oh, there. Jesus, I was like, oh my yeah. God, Simon's not going to like Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Which is impossible. Yeah, it's, it is impossible. And it is a Christmas film. So I we're going to do that this year. Our okay. next Christmas film. Our next Christmas film. Yeah. It's only March. Planning we can't talk about Christmas. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Ben and Simon, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listening till the end. We appreciate you. If you're still here, please take a second to give us a five-star rating wherever you are listening. It just takes a second to tap on the rate button. Thanks to everyone who also answered their questions earlier. It feels like you just gave us some great feedback on directors we should probably <laughs> avoid <laughs> or films we should probably avoid. Um, we also heard that many of you want us to do a couple of older and classic films. So we've lined up one of the most iconic films with one of the most searched for endings, 1978's Deer Hunter, which is turning 45 year o- years old this year. Insane. Christopher Walken, Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, the cast of the, for the ages. So we can't wait to talk to you about it in two weeks. So we will see you then and goodbye. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.